I'm Linda Holmes. And I'm Stephen Thompson. And we're here from Pop Culture Happy Hour to remind you that we make our show in... Public radio. And we started our show in... Public radio. And every time you support... Public radio. You support our show and all of our favorite people from... Public radio. Who participate in our show. Because you know what we need? We need microphones. And you know who has microphones? Public radio. You know who has studios? Public radio. You know who trains producers how to cut tape? Public radio. So every time that you give money to your local station, you support us, you support all your favorite podcasts, you support your favorite digital projects, and you support everything else that is a part of public radio. So head right on over to donate.npr.org slash happy and you will give your support to us, to public radio, and to our bosses who are going to know that we are doing a good job and you are doing a good job supporting public radio. Thank you very much. I am Linda Holmes. This is Stephen Thompson. And here is Pop Culture Happy Hour. It's been three years since the Rocky movies were reborn with Creed, starring Michael B. Jordan as Apollo Creed's son, Adonis. Now in Creed 2, Adonis is up against the son of Ivan Drago, the man who killed his father in the ring in 1985. And yes, Ivan is still played by Dolph Lundgren. Sylvester Stallone is back as Rocky himself, and Tessa Thompson plays Adonis's girlfriend, Bianca. I'm Glenn Weldon. And I'm Linda Holmes. In this episode of Pop Culture Happy Hour, we step into the ring and take on Creed 2. So come right back. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Bombas. Bombas has re-engineered socks for ultimate comfort by getting rid of that annoying toe seam, adding arch support, and using some of the world's softest cotton. And for every pair purchased, Bombas donates a pair to someone in need. To date, they've sold and donated over 10 million pairs. To feel the Bombas difference, go to bombas.com slash happy hour for 20% off your first order. Welcome back. You just met NPR's Glenn Weldon. Joining us in the studio is our friend Gene Demby from NPR's Code Switch. Hi, Gene. What's good, Joe? And also here with us is associate editor of Air and Space Magazine and our punching correspondent, Chris <laughs> Klemek. Hi, Chris. I must break you. <laughs> Hi, everyone. So one of the things we should mention, one of the big names associated with Creed was Ryan Coogler, who directed it and then went on to do a movie that you might have heard of called Black Panther. Mm -hmm. He is not on board here. The director is now Stephen Cable Jr. Glenn, remind me, did you like Creed? I did, more than I thought I was going to. Yeah. I mean, they're going to put on my tombstone that sports movies are my bet noir, but shirtlessness <laughs> yeah. is my bet midler. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it didn't make much sense when I tweeted it. It doesn't make much sense now. Yeah. But there was something rough and shaggy about Creed. It felt like a director's movie mm -hmm. in a way that this really doesn't. Yeah. Um, so how did you feel about this one? Well, I felt it was really slick, really engineered. And I think that's a function of the fact that the arc in this movie, the narrative arc of hubris, downfall, redemption is so stark. Yeah. Uh, it, and it's powerful. I'm not going to say it's not powerful because it really targets your amygdala. And even though there were moments going through the film, especially exchanges of dialogue where I, I was ba basically mouthing the words along with them because they were so <laughs> rote and predictable. But man, that last fight scene, I looked down and my hands were balled into fists. So, you know, mission accomplished uh, to that extent. And what they hang on the arc is still pretty engaging. I mean, you put Tessa Thompson and Michael B. Jordan on screen. I'm going to watch it. Right. Um, but yeah, it just felt like the movie that I thought Creed was going to be. I get that. Gene, one of my favorite episodes we've ever done of the show was talking about Creed with you. 
and talking about some of the Philadelphia stuff. How mm-hmm. did you feel about Creed 2? Oof. Um, there's a lot of Philly in this movie. Um, and I think that's not a small thing, right? Like, one of the things that the first movie did really well, and, and the thing that Kugler seemed to understand is, like, so much of why sports figures are interesting is that they become avatars for all these anxieties and all these hopes for people. And so, like, you have Adonis Creed sort of have to earn his Philadelphianness, right? Mm-hmm. He like there's the scene that was made me very emotional in particular, which all the kids are riding around him in a motorcycle, but he has to like be humbled. He's this LA kid who comes to the city, he gets his ass whipped a bunch. He basically has to earn this uh, respect from everyone. And like that's true of like all sorts of sports figures, right? Like LeBron James becomes an avatar for all of the collective sports anxieties of Cleveland, Serena and Williams. And not just sports anxieties, like anxieties in general. Anxieties in general about the economy, right? Yeah. Serena Williams carries this stuff with her. Like this is like how sports prominence works the first movie really understood that and this one is i felt like i didn't really get the motivations of anybody involved right adonis creed is sort of like hurtling for plot reasons towards Ivan drago's son like they have to fight it doesn't make a lot of sense why he's so invested in it the movie doesn't really sell that i really dug the chemistry between tessa thompson and michael b jordan in the first movie it felt a little sparse this time like there wasn't a lot of development even sylvester stallone is like a downbeat guy in the first film and he's sort of like curmudgeonly and charming and this movie is just sort of maudlin um, yeah and it's weird to go to a rocky movie that's like it doesn't feel like a crowd pleaser movie. It feels much more sort of downbeat and like, hmm. And to Glenn's point, like the only time it did feel Rocky-ish was the the last fight when it yeah. felt like, oh, like this is really exciting and there are stakes here. Getting your ass whipped is like very, very like visceral and immediate right. stakes. Right, 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 right. Um, the possibility of getting your ribs broken is are very visceral and immediate stakes. But I didn't really feel that for most of the movie. It felt really slack. It felt like in two hours, nothing really happened. Yeah. I felt like I understood the motivations at a very kind of crude level mm-hmm. because they bring back the Drago stuff, you have this kind of, well, I have to stick up for my father because this is the guy who killed my father. It's very Inigo Montoya. Um, <laughs> and and it's kind of the you killed my father, prepare to die kind of business. The Drago stuff is so 80s. It's so like kind yeah. of big Ruski bad guy. Like what that, was that is... what the 80s were in terms of just, <laughs> I mean, if you watched action dramas on broadcast television in the 80s, you got a lot of this Ruski bad guy kind of like yeah. big monster. I, I watched Rocky Four again the before I went to Creed 2. And then when I wrote about Creed 2, I called Rocky 4 the most high and tight of the Rocky movies because these movies get a little less shaggy and a little less observational and character-based as yeah. they move along. And by the fourth one, it is just this slick, like it is this fascinating document of its time. You could watch 15 seconds of it and you'd be like, oh, this movie was made in 1985. Yeah. <laughs> uh, for me, the, the biggest disappointment in Creed 2 is the way it fails Drago and his son. And the movie almost right. seems not to notice that Victor Drago is basically Rocky from, yes. from the first movie. Yes. He is this guy who probably doesn't have great self-esteem, who works a menial job, who is like desperate for, for some, some paternal love from his disapproving father. It's fascinating to me that Ivan never recovered from his humiliation 30 years ago. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, since then, the Soviet Union has collapsed. I mean, I, mean, I wanted to spend a little more time mm-hmm. with them. Now, without giving it away, the way that the the final bout in this movie resolves itself, I did like that. I thought that was a grace note. You know, they almost always in these movies find some way, even when it is... 97.5% 97.5% wrote. Mm-hmm. You know, they they will find the little minute, the featherweight variation that 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 <laughs> yeah. they can surprise you with. But but I, you know, otherwise I had downsized my expectations. I thought there's no way this is going to be as good as Creed, and it's not as good as Creed. But these movies work on me. You know, yeah. the formula works on me actually much better than it did in the 80s when I was a child. 
uh, <laughs> for whatever reason. But the Drago aspect is is my biggest disappointment with Creed Two for sure. Yeah, and I think that the grace note that you mentioned at the very end, although I agree with you that it has that element of interest, it is not earned to me. That's right. There's mm-hmm. no indication how you would wind up in that situation given everything else right. that happens and, and for here, 98% of the movie. They, you don't get the feeling that that is developing, that the feeling that might lead to that ending, that that feeling is developing. And the way that they kind of try to... I'm not going to say that this movie completely blames women for everything, but there is a sort of like a moment yeah. where I was like, come on. And again, don't want to give it away, uh-huh. but like, not everything <laughs> is your mother's fault. Like... <laughs> And so it didn't feel that's that's the Greek tragedy aspect uh, uh, revealing itself again. Sure, it's all it's all mom. I agree with Glenn in the sense that when you have the people on screen who are the core of this cast, when you have Stallone, Michael B. Jordan, Tessa Thompson, and I would also say Felicia Rashad as Adonis's mother, I get those relationships. That's good and interesting stuff. I didn't quite care about Bianca's singing career as much as this movie seemed to. It seemed like it had... I, I mean, I wondered if there was more there that just got taken out. I think we, we see her sing twice, and she's a good singer, and I like Tessa Thompson's voice, and she seems mm-hmm. like she could be a you know an interesting artist in, She also in just seems like, era, a, like a cool girl. Mm-hmm. I'm yeah. interested in Tessa Thompson, but I It doesn't seem like a struggle, this, right? Yeah. I think they were desperate just to give her more to do in this film, right. and mm-hmm. they do, but it's not character stuff, it's singing stuff. Since we're talking about Tessa Thompson's character, it was really interesting watching the few scenes we do see them sort of walking around. It's like, how famous exactly are they supposed to be in this world? Right, mm-hmm. like they're walking down the street and nobody's saying anything to him. It's like this dude is the heavyweight champion in the world. Mm-hmm. She's apparently some like up and coming pop singer or some R and B singer. But then he walks into it's, it's like a, a cheesesteak. Like it's yeah. like a cheesesteak place, and everybody knows him and mm-hmm. everybody high fives him. But outside of the scene that is like about mm-hmm. him being recognized, he doesn't seem to be recognized. He's like a regular dude. Yeah. Like, and there's there's like nobody thronging the hospital Mm -hmm. when he's in the hospital. There's nobody, like, hanging around, Mm -hmm. really, except her. Which is kind of interesting, because, I mean, the other Rocky movie that this this follows a little bit is is Rocky II, which is mostly about his complete ineptitude when it comes to dealing with money and celebrity. He has this newfound fame, and it it almost kills him. Mm -hmm. So he just just doesn't have the maturity to handle it. I did like uh, Florian, quote, Big Nasty, end quote, Montanou, who played... (laughs) Victor, right? Victor, mm-hmm. Victor Drago. Um, big cuddly, more like. Because <laughs> uh, he isn't called upon to do a lot more. <laughs> I'll, I'll give you a moment. Oh He's not asked to do a lot more than just glower and punch, but he injects into those glowers a kind of wounded quality. Mm-hmm. Like a kind of like, oh, he's he, he just needs some comforting. Does mm-hmm. he though? Yeah, I think he does. I, I think, think so. he does. It reminded me so much of how the Olympics were covered in the 80s, where it was always sort of the idea of the United States athletes against these kind of Russian, at the time, Soviet sort of robot, big, gigantic, unstoppable machines. And that wasn't just in sports like boxing. That was in sports like ice skating. That was in all the... And gymnastics. It was this idea that sort of you had these Soviet athletes that were presented in American propaganda as kind of personalityless, robotic, perfectly trained, that the trade-off was they don't have much personality, but they're perfect and unstoppable. And that was what this felt like to me. And I have to say, the training that Adonis goes through in this film to to face Victor is based on or bears some similarities to some of the training that Rocky went through 
the Siberia training, right. not the not his yeah, original yeah, Rocky yeah. training. Which I I love this the thing from Rocky Four you're talking mm-hmm. about, right? Where he's in this in this cabin yes. and he's pulling like an ox cart and, yes. and running up a mountain. And it felt and based on that, but yeah, at the same, it's time, ludicrous, but it's so good. But it looked like CrossFit. If you've never seen a guy just hammering the ground like you don't understand how hipsters work out now <laughs> like okay, a sledgehammer so to the ground is just and a tire or six yeah well exactly right. okay. and the but, tire uh, but the, stuff the tire just... i mean i want to say i do appreciate that this is not the finest training montage in no. the in the rocky ad the best ones they have a specific tactical purpose the thing we see them do where they keep one foot inside the tire i got that and just yes. trade body shots i i thought that was super cool i got that and i guess the thing where like he has the helmet on and he's like lifting <laughs> with his head mm. Right. I mean, you're going to break your neck, but uh, Yeah, I've, I've hurt both my shoulders in the last eight years, and I had sympathetic pain watching that. <laughs> yeah. I was surprised that the Dolph Lundgren scene where Drago goes to visit Stallone in oh, his, man. goes to visit Rocky in his, in his restaurant. Uh, granted, that had been built up for me a lot, probably more than it should have been. I mean, I read this interview with Dolph Lundgren in Screen Crush by uh, Matt Singer where he talked about how much he loved that scene as scripted. And when it came time to shoot, Sly wanted to cut just basically all of it. And so he fought for it. So I thought, okay, this is going to be like the scene in Heat. This is going to be like a real, <laughs> and it ain't. Oh boy, there's right. nothing it's to so it. It's so disappointing. And, and I mean, there's an echo of that in, in Creed, like where Donnie introduces himself to Rocky is in that restaurant. And that scene is so pivotal that it was it was basically the trailer for Creed, if yeah. I remember correctly. That that scene is a huge letdown in this movie. Yeah. There's all these ways in which this movie tries to echo things from the first movie that don't, that fall so much flatter. Like I remember when we talked about this last time Linda you specifically pointed to um, the way that like Donnie and uh, Bianca had these conversations uh, between uh, with doors between them mm-hmm. there's a scene um, where that happens and it feels so contrived it like feels almost effortful yeah, yeah it, and, and like I feel like there's all these things in this movie that, that Ivan Drago Rocky scene should have been a really mm-hmm. like should have just crackled right I mean like yeah. I mean this dude killed your best friend Rocky ruined uh, Yvonne's life. Like, there's all this stuff there, and it just felt like two old dudes who were like, I don't really like you very much. And And it was like, no, it should have been heavier than that. Instead, you get that rusky bad guy. You get that, like, my son will break your boy. Like, that's okay. I mean... All the callbacks to I must break you, like, at this point, you must be broken by me. Like, it's just too many. (laughs) (laughs) And and I think (laughs) they did not have very much confidence in Dolph Lundgren. I don't know whether that's correct or not correct right because i haven't seen him do a lot i'm not yeah, a, i'm and, not and a lundgren completist right. or anything no Did no one is but... russian in the previous Rocky no movie? no okay. he but doesn't. they they don't mm-hmm. seem to have much confidence that he can do very much except right. this kind of very punishing you know it's it's very the guy in the karate kid finish him oh yeah you know the, sweep the leg it's all very that which, I, I mean, there's so much opportunity there, because if you think about who, who Drago is in 1985, I mean, he is just the state avatar. He probably doesn't do a lot of thinking. Mm-hmm. He's probably accompanied and managed, you know, around the clock. Mm-hmm. And maybe now he's had 30 years to develop a personality. What do you do? I mean, because this movie made a ton of money over the weekend, right? Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm, they're mm-hmm. going to almost certainly make a sequel. Where yeah. does this franchise go? Well, like, I we, mean, we, Rocky has to die in Creed yeah. Three for sure. Oh. For sure, Rocky has to like his cancer has to come back. Or I mean, he probably should have died in this one because he's he's, 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 he's he is adrift in this yeah. movie. But at the same time, I do agree he's adrift, and yet I really. 
really like Stallone in these movies. Yeah, there's a, there's I want a, him to do more in this movie. He's just a, sort of like, oh, yeah. Lala, I'm sad, and you're yeah. going to be sad too if you don't fix your life. And that's like yeah. he doesn't. He's not. He doesn't get a chance to be funny. Right. He doesn't get a chance to be sort of like even like sage. Really, he just sort of just like the sad sack man. Yeah. yeah. There is a moment when he is. Uh, you see him in the hallway, kind of in his sneakers and sweats and. I felt in that moment like you could see that young guy in there. I have a fondness for that performance, and I think he's he still really knows how to play that character. But I agree with you; they don't give him a lot to do here. So where know. do you go? I don't like where do well, you go. Well, uh, Linda and I saw the robot boxing movie together. What, what was that called? <laughs> Real Steel. Real Steel. Steel. <laughs> right? You know, and we were just like ragging on it for eighty-five minutes, and then we get to the big fight, and we're both like, "Oh man!" You know, like we this are really all good. in. Yeah. So <laughs> this is really good robot boxing. Yeah. You know what? Formulaic is not an insult when the formula works. Yeah. You know, exactly. and, and like Rocky. Five, they tried to break the formula. No one likes it. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a bomb. It's a bad movie. So. And I, I do want to say I was very entertained by the final little cameo mm-hmm. uh, with Rocky that I did not expect because I had forgotten that yeah. uh, from one of the earlier Rocky movies. Well, if you see Creed 2, uh, let us know what you think. Find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash PCHH or tweet us at PCHH. That brings us to the end of our show. You can follow Chris at CT Clinic and you can follow Gene as always at G-E-E-D-E-E-215. Thanks to all of you guys for being here. Thank you. Thank you. And thanks to you for listening. We will be back here on Friday. And if you have a second and you're so inclined, please give us a review on Apple Podcasts. That will help more folks to find the show. We will see you all right back here on Friday. We're here to remind you to support your local station, support public radio, and support Pop Culture Happy Hour. Head over to donate.npr.org happy, and you can make your donation to support all the shows, the podcasts, the radio pieces, and the digital projects that you love. Hey, it's Kat Chow with the Code Switch team. A few years ago, I adopted this cute, but also shy, beagle mix from a dog rescue. But I noticed really fast that he mostly barked at my friends of color. It made me wonder, Is my dog racist? So I went to find out. Check it out on the next Code Switch podcast.